Mindfulness of Death, Maranasati in Pali. This is a critically important meditation subject, and this one does not require any specific posture, but it can be carried through all the four traditional postures of standing, walking, sitting, and lying down. Just as another universal, that is loving kindness. So this is something which is meant to be born in mind throughout the day. And it's a strange thing to ask for most people. Most people would rather not think about death, neither their own death nor anybody else's. And this is a mistake. But first, before we go into it, we have to define death. What do you mean when you talk about contemplating death or being mindful of death or remembering death? What do you mean by death? Now, perhaps in the time of the Buddha, it was unnecessary to go into this, although he did talk about certain attitudes and philosophies about the end of life and whether there is another one after this. So what's called right view, and this is mundane right view, ordinary right view, not the necessary, the view that comes up after enlightenment, but just for the ordinary committed Buddhist who has confidence, one thing they have confidence is, is there is something after this life. There is another world or another life. Now this is not the normal sort of view, perhaps, in the modern world. When I talk about meditating on death in a general audience, a lot of them think, yeah, right, I have, I'm going to die, I'm going to vanish, I'm going to cease. And that, that particular philosophy is called annihilationism. And it's materialistic annihilationism. And it was known at the time of the Buddha, and the Buddha did not hold that view. And so one has to understand what we are talking about when we speak of death. For the Buddhist, it's an experience, and that's why you're preparing for it. So one of the things the Buddha talks about is comparing it to going on a trip, a, a voyage, to a far country. That far country, though, you are unfamiliar with. So you're, it's a voyage into the unknown, but it's a voyage to somewhere. And it's not a voyage to nowhere. So when we're reflecting on death, first of all, it's sometimes called the king of meditations. So the Buddha ranked it as a very, very important reflection and remembrance. So it's called Maranasati, and Sati means both mindfulness, but it also means to remember. And it means to remember it all through the day so that you're actually never surprised. And one of the reasons is that death comes by surprise. It's not necessarily that you are told the date which you will pass away, but it can happen at any time and have you prepared. So what have you prepared for? Have you prepared for continuation and radical change? 
The other aspect is have you prepared for a sense of cause and effect, which carries over from this life into the next. And that means a commitment to virtue, virtuous behavior, acts of generosity and kindness, which are more or less all that you can take with you. You can't take your possessions, but you can take positive energy, which is created in this very life. And the positive energy is by abstaining from evil, that is lack of virtue or immoral types of acts, committing yourself to positive acts, which are generosity, kindness, and staying within the non-harmfulness of the precepts. And that positive energy is carried through. The other aspect, which not all lay Buddhists will take up, is meditation, which is the purification of the mind. Even the thoughts of harm, of ill will, of cruelty, and of grasping and accumulation are purified. So if you can do that in your other meditations, those are preparations for death. And that death is just a simile for radical voyage. You want to take something with you. You can't take your money. You can't take your friends. You can take the positive energy of your virtuous actions, the harmlessness that you lived with, the purity of your thought and positive emotions. Those, the Buddha says, are like friends that will welcome you on the other side. So it won't be external friends. It'll be the friends that you create out of your own actions and thoughts and emotions. And those friends will be there to welcome you as they are in this life. So when you do good deeds and think in positive ways, you go to sleep at night, you wake up to positive emotions. You feel well. But if you do negative things and cultivate harmful and negative thoughts towards yourself or others, you wake up with a certain sense of blackness that your enemies are there to welcome you. So which would you rather have, your friends to welcome you or your enemies? And we make our own enemies. We create enemies. And the enemies are created by our mind, untamed, uncontrolled, and with a lack of skill and right view. And it is through right view that we create friends and the support conditions for a beautiful life. So a little, I'd like to talk a little bit about what people vaguely refer to as death in the modern times. And remember, we're coming out into a world which is only maybe a century or a century and a half in the West old, which is the post-religious life. Sometime in the 19th century, perhaps, because of the rise of technology and science and the allowance of expressing ideas, etc., and uh, being exposed to various media. Uh, at the time, books and uh, newspapers, which were skeptical about various things. And so the idea became strong that possibly this is just a material existence which just ends. There is simply a material component. There's no element of the person which continues on. So this is sometimes called the death of God, but it's a little bit misplaced because it's not about God. It's about the death of the next life. It's the death of 
continuation is what it is. So this put a wrench into a lot of things and people haven't generally had time to process it, what it means. I think a lot of people though intuitively understand something. If there is no continuation at the end of this life, there is in fact no personal experience of death. Now, some people haven't worked this out, but you have to work on the logic of this. To say that you cease to exist, that death is the cessation of existence, is also to say that you can't experience it. The only thing you can experience is life. Obviously, you can't experience your own death if you don't exist. So what are you going to experience? at the end of your life, only your life. Now this is interesting in this time as well, because a lot of people are opting for the suicide option, what was called euthanasia or a good death. And quite often they have the confused idea that, especially if they're in pain or in distress, that somehow they will be relieved from their pain and distress by the cessation of life. That will not happen. If you don't exist, you don't feel any relief. You can't feel relief. If you can't get relief in life, there will be no relief in death. <laughs> you have the idea that nobody is there suffering, but there's nobody there to know there's nobody there suffering. So this is a false idea that people look forward to. Oh, I will be free from my pain. I'll be free from my distress. No. You're imagining that you exist and you're feeling free from your pain and distress. But if you hold this view of materialism and annihilation, you can't experience death and you can't experience relief as a result of that. So it's a very interesting thing. One should reflect deeply on this. Now you have a choice and it's there's no indication that you need to have any knowledge of what's going to happen when you die. You, most people, if they're honest, they say, well, I don't know what's going to happen when I die. Some great religious figures in history and philosophers, and in fact, most of the world up till now, have had convictions that there are continuations. They have various theories about this continuation, about what will happen to you after death and why it happens and where you go, etc. But most have been convinced that there is something and you have a choice here. So there are two flavors of death and you have to make a choice and you really don't know about either. You might have faith, you might have convictions, but you probably don't have personal knowledge. Some people though may have. One thing that you can't have a revelation about is the idea that there that at death, everything ceases. So often in religion, a person has a revelation and then communicates to other. They, something is revealed to them. A truth is revealed to them. A vision of the afterlife or another existence or an interpenetrated sort of reality, they actually see it. But one thing you will never hear is that one, somebody had a revelation and they saw nothing. They saw nothingness. You can't see nothingness. You can't have a revelation about that. So if your notion is, and you might've been raised with this notion, is that you cease at death, 
it's purely speculation. And it's not something that you could actually have a vision of or see. On the other hand, continuation is possible to have a vision of and to see and to have an intuition of. And one should reflect on the fact that you're primarily making a bet about this. There's a bet and on the one hand, and the Buddha talks about this, on the one hand, if one bets on cessation of existence and one is wrong, it will be in a very bad bet. However, if one bets on continuation and there isn't any continuation, you will not find out that you were wrong. So in that case, if you bet on continuation, you can only find out you are right. You cannot find out you are wrong. So if you haven't got intuitions and you haven't got revelations or faith in anything, then you have to go back to acts of logic and betting and gambling. And so that is the gamble. Now, this problem of death is you can experience the death of others. And it's not really what you're experiencing there is not death. It is loss. You can experience the loss of others, but you can't experience their death. And it turns out, either way you think about it, you can't experience your own death either, except if you continue to live. So in the case of annihilation, you can't experience death at all because it would require some form of consciousness in order to experience it. So from the Buddhist point of view, it is just a radical experience. Is the falling away of the body? We can see that clearly. The body falls away, your body falls away. But what happens is radical change. We're dropping away a body. We have experiences in life like this. So we sometimes leave our family or leave our country or leave a situation, sometimes because we're forced to, sometimes voluntarily. And we're every day as we wake up in the morning, we're stepping into the unknown. Many people deceive themselves about that, full of the expectation that things will go as they have. But of course, that is not the way reality works. We're every day, we're stepping into something that is beyond calculation and is not a linear process and we're stepping into the unknown. Lots of people that only flashes up on them occasionally how strangely out of control and unpredictable life is. Mostly they presume as a defense mechanism that things will work out and when they don't, anxiety is produced. And then there are those who have the sense of impending change and don't respond to it well, and they live with anxiety. So the fact that we are contemplating death does not mean that you should live with anxiety. It just means that it, it's a motivator. And the motivator, the death as motivator, is to commit to the positive experience of this life and the, commit to all experience 
your personal experience is, is through consciousness, through your emotions, your, your feelings, through your actions. They all should be regarded as precarious and temporary and should be flooded with positive practices, attempting to purify the mind and to avoid doing things that you will regret. The Buddha gives advice in the Dhammapada, do not do what you will regret, do only what you will not regret. I once read that and I thought, duh, what a brilliant idea. <laughs> so if we can, this all is a compilation, it accumulates towards through your life. But having lived a good life means that you're basically much more ready for rapid and radical transitions, both in this life and regarding this phenomena of radical travel called death. There are later suggestions for how to practice this. And one of them is that we should imagine that we can die within a minute. It doesn't have to be some time in 15 years I'm going to die because that's unrealistic. We need to bring it not just even to this, the end of this day. You've seen all kinds of people who have died by accident, just keeled over from a heart attack or a stroke. Or, and that, by the way, is the major way to go. It's, it's through strokes and heart attack are the largest killers of people, so they just keel over. And it should not be a surprise in some ways. So we're taking the surprise out of the possibility of death by rehearsing it all the time. You may feel an aversion to this or resistance to this, but the Buddha says this is actually the basis of true mental health and emotional health. Otherwise, when you're not prepared for things, you experience post-traumatic stress syndromes. And if you are prepared, you won't feel that. You won't be traumatized. So facing one's death, one is collected, calm, knows that one has invested in the right choice, the right gamble, that there will be continued experience, and that one has invested in positive actions, speech, and thought, and that that will be there to travel with you. So that is some ways to reflect on death. Um, monks are sometimes sent to cemeteries to contemplate corpses. In the modern antiseptic world, it's very hard to find a good corpse. They're all carefully taken care of somewhere. It's even hard to be around when somebody dies in a hospital. It's a, there's an avoidance and a removal of death. Oh, you see this in movies, of course, but it's a movie after all, and it's just fun and games. But in real life, in earlier times, people died right in their living room, and the corpse was left there for a couple of days until everybody came and saw it. But quite often you'll find people now that have never seen a dead body. Monks are sent to graveyards to contemplate corpses in various stages of decomposition. And I have done this. I was in a monastery where there was a regular supply of corpses. And sometimes villagers would come over and volunteer that when they were 
very ill and they, they knew they were going to die. So they said, please use my body for contemplation. So the body would be brought to the monastery and kept in a shallow grave and monks, we would sit through the night, sometimes spend the whole night by the corpse watching and getting a real dose of the reality of, of death. And what happens to the, the body and how the body is not the person as the body decomposes and goes through what's called nine stages of decomposition. You internalize this. Lots of people are very afraid. They're afraid of dead bodies. They're traumatized by it. So this is, the Buddha is saying, when you, monks, when you do contemplate the dead bodies, there's nothing there. It's just uh, flesh. It's just elements. There's water and earth and air and the heat. And the heat, by the way, is diminished. The heat element is gone. The body is no longer 98 degrees. It's, it's diminished. And so you see this and you try to fix this in your mind as the truth of the way things are. It's, it's quite an exercise. I've written a few books now. I've written three books. The first one has never really been, it's not fit for really public circulation, but it is in the monastery. And it is photographs of the decomposition of a corpse done in Thailand and a, a small commentary by me of this process and what it felt like to spend whole nights by a shallow grave with a corpse slowly decomposing. So it is a specific exercise and specific for monks. Um, for lay people, I don't know what you can do, but you can bring up these images. And of course you can find photographs and so forth, just to remind you, this is what actually happens to a human body. And as it happens to that body, so it will happen to your body as well. So we really want to face the truth full on. And you're not doing this to scare yourself. You're not doing this to shock yourself. You're not even doing this to prove how brave you are. You're doing this in serenity to acquaint yourself with reality so that you are not walking around potentially being traumatized by the inevitable events of life. We want you to be well, happy, and peaceful and able to accept the realities of life without being shocked and saddened and distressed. So this is the purpose of this contemplation. I have recently written a book, which is available out there on Amazon, and it's called Life is a Near-Death Experience. So we tried to capture this feeling that you're only a finger snap away at any time in your life from death. And there are other elements that go along with this, illness, aging, loss. These go along with death as an inevitability. So if you want to contemplate that further, you can look for that book by Ajahn Sona, Life is a Near-Death Experience. So I leave this contemplation for you today for the restoration of your, of clarity of mind, the encouragement for positive emotions in your life, 
positive actions, positive speech, not for fear, not even for bravery, but for lucid, mature acceptance of reality and the making of wise choices in your life about this major fact for all beings, that is death.